Welcome to the Extension Connection Podcast. The Grant County Cooperative Extension Service is here to help connect you with research-based information about economic development, energy and water, farm and ranch, yard and garden, natural resources, health and well-being, and our very popular youth development program, 4-H. I'm your host, Jessica Swan the 4-H and agriculture agent here in Grant County, New Mexico. We are part of New Mexico State University's College of Agricultural, Consumer, and Environmental Science, and we are here to serve you. So let's get started. Welcome back. On today's episode, we're talking about one of my favorite foods in the entire world, chili. It's a major agriculture commodity here in New Mexico, and I was asked to moderate the 2020 annual chili conference held in Las Cruces, New Mexico, which is the home of New Mexico State University. NMSU is pretty much the mecca for all things chili and chili research, and if you have ever had a taste of New Mexico green chili, nothing else will ever compare. I was able to corner Ed Curry at the Chili Conference as well as a few others that I used to run around in the same circles with while I worked as a crop supervisor for a chili plant in Las Cruces before moving into Extension and we had a great visit. So without further ado, let's get down to business. Welcome to the podcast today with me I have uh, Mr. Ed Curry and his son Tyler Curry with Curry Seed and Company out of Pierce, Arizona. We also were just joined by Ben Echeverry uh, with Ms. Can America. So welcome to my podcast. Glad to be here. Very good. So Ed, uh, tell me about what you do with Curry Seed. We furnish about 90% of the green chili seed in the world as far as green chili. there's a, Obviously there's a lot of other companies that have a lot, but the core of the green chili seed comes from our breeding programs. We started with uh, Mr. Phil Villa many years ago, and then I worked with uh, Dr. Ben Villalone, Texas A&M, and then uh, uh, Everett Wood, who was originally in, in Orange County, California, who is who's now in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Uh, we have lost Phil since then, some years ago, and uh, uh, but I love what we do, Jessica. We we. We basically design chili. We design flavors. We design. Uh, we try to increase the yield. We try to. You know, we. One of the things that brought us to where we are is we were the first ones to stabilize the heat and pepper. That's the very number one thing is we stabilize the heat, and so that as this industry some thirty years ago could spread to the north and to the south or you know, those areas of the United States that the Southwest has always been known for chili, Anaheim chili around Anaheim. The Ortega company started with Manuel Ortega right down on the, the Ventura River where his first cannery was. So the Southwest, California, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, was very familiar with green chili. And they were used to a little heat and they were used to some, you know, not always being consistent. But then, as it was to spread to the north and the east, those areas, it had to be mild because once that person ate a hot chili, they were done. <laughs> yeah. So we brought in the first 
consistent variety that was mild and then they actually started border foods which then was bought out by mezcon later uh, is uh, was the our really first big them and bueno foods out of albuquerque those two were our, our mm-hmm. first ones mm-hmm. yeah and i i got to know you um through uh, I used to work for Olam Spices and Vegetables as their crop supervisor, and uh, some of our growers were using your varieties um, in their fields. So, and that's, right. and that's how I got to know you, and also through Andy Wiles, who was my my boss at the time. And so, and kind of the same thing there <laughs> in the paprika. We were are somewhat known for the highest color chili in the world, and. Again, that has that heat has to be almost zero because you cannot separate the oleo resin and the, the the heat. The oils they just don't separate. The capsicum oils don't separate very well. So it's very important that the paprikas are very, very, very mild. How did you get started in this? What's your background? I was eight years old, and uh, we. My dad was growing chili. He started when I was. He started in 1957. I was born in 1956. So now you know I'm 39. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, uh, and when I was about eight, my, my dad was having trouble getting good chili seed. So we came over to June and Jim Lytle and, uh, uh, and, and bought certified or registered New Mexico 6-4 seed. I knew then that it was important. I remember standing in the field with Jim Lytle and the discussion between my father and Kenny McDaniel, who was his neighbor, and they were both really good chili growers and they wanted good seed. That struck in my head at eight years old. Now, fast forward. I started farming myself in, well, actually my freshman year in high school, my FFA project was seven acres of chili. I kept moving along with that and, uh, um, and by the way, I love agriculture. You know, I love what <laughs> we too. do. Being outside is, you know, that's, that's the funnest. But uh, it's where life is, you know. Um, but uh, I took that and I had two breeders in front of me at a very young age. I had Phil Villa, who was the Ortega breeder. And then I had Everett Wood, who, who was with Cal Compact at the time, which is now Olam, as you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I followed them two men as a very young boy, eighth grade, in fact. And uh, then after I got out of high school, uh, interestingly enough, a, a, a professor right here at NMSU encouraged me to just follow them. He said, son, you got the best chili instructor in the world, your dad. Follow him and then follow <laughs> those breeders. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And and uh, uh, this last year, it was uh, in 2018, the fall, I was elected chairman of the, of the International Pepper Conference, which is a big honor. I'm, I'm really excited about that. And so we will host the International Pepper Conference at our farm September 28th, 29th, and 30th of 2020 this year, this fall. That's cool. And uh, so we're pretty excited about that. And then it, then the next day, we'll go to the University of Marriott there in, at the U- University of Arizona and have our abstract day with the talks from 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 the different ones that, that apply to to talk on the different subjects about capsicum anums and pepper and heat and mm-hmm. food quality and <laughs> canning quality and all those good things uh-huh. and actually it'll include bell peppers jalapenos it is the pepper conference it's the largest scientific organization for the study of pepper it was founded in the in 1970 uh 
Dr. Ben Villalone, who is still quite active in his 80s, is, is him and Stephanie Walker and uh, Jeff Silvertooth and Randy Norton, uh, all from uh, different universities. Uh, Jeff and Randy from University of Arizona, Ben from retired from Texas A&M, and, and the fellow that took his place, Kevin Crosby's also helping me, and then Stephanie Walker from New Mexico State. So I have a lot of help in it, mm-hmm. but we're really looking forward to that. And it ought to be. A, we hope, you know, our title of this this year's theme is 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 from science to the field. Dino Cervantes from Cervantes Corporation, Walagodistani. He says, kind of neat. It's come full circle, and that is to get it back to the farm. And I'm honored to bring it back to the farm. And we are going to be the first time this conference has ever been held at the farm. It'd be, in 2018, there was 37 countries uh, wow. represented. So we'll see how many we can get. We're shooting for more, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, hopefully I can help out with that maybe. So Absolutely. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And Tyler, how did you get involved? Did you have to? I'm just yes, kidding. <laughs> I was born into it. it. Just so happened to love it. So, yeah, so I kept doing it too. So I think I'm third generation on the chili side and then must be fourth or fifth generation in agriculture. And and what do you do there? Uh, I mostly manage the farm. I take care of the kind of the day-to-day operations. Because he's getting old. Yeah. He's getting pretty old. <laughs> That's the truth. And what does a typical day look like for you? Oh, a lot of tractor work and management people and mm-hmm. working around the weather and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's fun. We love it very yeah. much. Yeah, and um, did you um, did you have any schooling, any ag schooling, or no, not a lot specifically for that. So mm-hmm. no, just born into it, did it ever since I was little, and then you don't realize it till you get older that it's not uh, just chores. It actually really is pretty neat what we get to do. So mm-hmm. when I get older, then you really start to legitimately enjoy it for for the love of it. So it's this boy, yeah. he had a born love for being outside and being in the field with me very much. So that's yeah. cool, and that doesn't happen you know as much anymore you know we you know i grew up on a cattle ranch and everything um but you see more and more where uh, our youth and are going out and they're they're doing something else they don't go back to uh, their roots and working on the family farm or the family ranch and we're seeing a lot of um those types of businesses you know going away um so i'm glad to hear that you guys still have that family lineage going yeah yeah there's yeah. A- a big shortage of farm kids, I think, that want to stay in it. So yeah. that's for sure. So we're yeah. lucky. We're very yeah. lucky. And it's hard work, but it's rewarding work. That's right. Yes. Very rewarding. Yes. And also here I have Ben Echeverry with Ms. Can America. And back in the day, we kind of would have been foes. Yeah. Yeah. If When I was working at Olam, and you're if you're at Ms. Can, I don't know if we could have been friends back then. <laughs> well, there's joking. always room for friends. <laughs> always room for friends so what do you do at Ms. Ken? I'm a crop consultant in their ag department okay so you go around and look at fields go around look at field help diagnose virus disease uh, do fertilizer recommendations stuff like that cool what's the biggest um, threat to the chili crop what virus is the biggest verticillium wilt I was gonna I was gonna say phytophthora but Uh, we'll go with that vert will get us before anything else (laughs) very good very good um and uh do you have do you have a lot of growers that you work with um we have a pretty stable relationship i really can't tell you how many yeah yeah tell me about a typical day what do you do in a typical day um 
I drive around a lot. Yeah. Um, I understand that. <laughs> yeah. We have quite a bit, we have quite a few acres, and our goal between the other agronomist and myself is to see every acre that we that we contract once a week. Mm. And that's how we help help with the quality to our facility. It's we kind of see ourselves as a first line of quality control. Mm-hmm. If we can see something in the field and stop it from occurring mm-hmm. or get a handle on it before it gets to the plant, mm-hmm. that's the first step in making good quality chili. Right, right. And so my average day is I get up about four thirty, five o'clock, talk to my boss, see if there were any quality issues at the plant yesterday, and if there was, I'll go straight to the farm and stand on the harvest trailer and see what's going on see if it's big a deal as we think it is or if we can just clean it up and move on mm-hmm. and then from there we just go on about our day go look at some other fields mm-hmm. before it gets too hot and go inside and just do some office work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i lived that life i understand very good so we're going to go back to you mr ed and yes, you were telling me about your um ag uh, farm tours that you do for youth around your community. Oh, okay. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Every year, we uh, we do a uh, a farm um, day mm-hmm. uh, for FFA kids. Mm-hmm. It's typically the first Friday in November. Sometimes the second, depending on this year, the national mm-hmm. FFA convention changed. Yeah, on this, and we had to move it to the eighth, but. Uh, I don't know if that's if that's going to consist or not. The, the The main point is 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 we try to educate kids with a with a a passion for agriculture. We teach them base genetics, base agronomy. Um, we, we try to we even let them judge chili, and then at the end of the day, we give them a test. We also do food safety in that. That's something I didn't mention, and. Uh, Recently, the local dairy's been bringing some cattle over, and we let them judge a few cows as well. And uh, but the main idea is so, so that these kids can go away with an understanding of possibly a different job option, yeah. possibly a different career place mm-hmm. uh, is, is our idea. But yeah, we we have a lot of fun. We give sweepstakes award, <laughs> you know, the, the the high individuals in each mm-hmm. bracket. And it, mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun, and the kids really enjoy it. They look forward to it. Yeah. And uh, we yeah. welcome you to bring yeah. other FFA chapters around or yeah. science classes. It don't yeah. have to be totally FFA. Right, right. So yeah. anybody can yeah. pretty much attend. Just get you in touch with Ed. Let me, let, me, <laughs> let me say it this way, Jessica. When you love something as much as I love it, it's been my life. Mm-hmm. It's been my living. Mm-hmm. We created new varieties of chili through the help of God. And, and I always put that in there. The inspiration is important in this. And uh, it's not just how smart we are, it, it's inspiration. And, and so I want to share that passion. And I, want, I, I would like to offer young people a new opportunity. And kids today in today's world, most of them have never been on a real working farm. Mm-hmm. They really don't understand what Tyler does. Mm-hmm. They don't understand that at all. Mm-hmm. And, and so we like to give them you know, an opportunity to think and Quite honestly, we send quite a few kids from our area here to New Mexico State. You have a good group of our kids. Mm-hmm. We have a very good ag school here at New yeah. Mexico State University, mm-hmm. the College of Agriculture and Consumer and Environmental Sciences. 
Um, very good. I have a degree from there as well. So um, I'm a product of that program. Um, so if you were going to speak out to the, to the youth that might be listening or any parents out there, um, if they're thinking about a, you know, a career in agriculture, um, what advice would you give them? Seek your passion. That's the first thing. Go after what you love. And if you really love it, uh, you know, some of the most fun people I've seen in life is, is some folks that grew up in town that in big cities sometimes that have a passion. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Brian Herborn, mm -hmm. great example. Mm -hmm. Grew up Southern California in the big city area, and yet he's out here developing mechanical thinners and developed his own mm -hmm. company, mm -hmm. graduated in MSU. Great success story. Uh, great yeah. humble human being. And, yeah, and, he's, and he's he, a hometown guy for me, too. He, he lives in he, Silver he, City. He grew up right <laughs> in the heart of... Of, uh, uh, of, of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. All right. Well, I think that's the end of my questions. You guys have anything you want to add? Ben and I work together a lot. Mm -hmm. And the fun of that is he's on the end of producing or canning chili. He's, he's on that, that final consumer end. Mm-hmm. I'm on the end of developing flavors and varieties that'll work for that. Mm -hmm. So when we get together, we have a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. As you know, I did with Andy, you <laughs> know, on the paprika side. And and it's fun. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you know, some of my best days are when we crawl out of the field and it's dark and we're tired and thirsty and everything else. Mm -hmm. But it's silly at that point. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Judge, we're still fighting it. Look at this one, you know, and, and this year my my Dang old hips is wore out and, and and man it was all I could do. Ben was helping me out, but we still done it. And mm -hmm. and you know, some people have made the comment to me, you know, oh, this is getting old stuff, you know. I said, No, it's not, it's wonderful. I, you know, the knowledge that I've learned through the years is just getting funner and funner and funner, mm -hmm. you know. And and that's probably poor English, but that's the truth. If I gotta crawl to do this, I'm gonna do it because I love it. And it's working with him, working with Tyler. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what makes it fun. Life mm -hmm. is fun. I, you know, uh, these people, you know, that look at life sad. Uh, holy cow, man! There's life is a joy. There's a lot of good here, mm -hmm. and we're going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Something kind of cool for me. Last year, I had what I'd call my Moses moment. I was over at Ed's. I'm back up. I've been looking at chili for ten years now. And I would go over to Ed's, and all everything would just look the same. It all looks like chili. Mm -hmm. It looks like a little bit wider chili, a little skinnier chili, a little fatter chili, mm -hmm. a little longer chili. And I was standing out there in that field, listening to a podcast, looking through some plants, some single-row selections. And I looked up, and all of a sudden, everything had a name. It had a shape, and it had a size, and it had a purpose. I looked at them like a kindergarten teacher looks at all her kids. Hmm. She can see, she can see, she's been with them long enough, she can see the individual characteristics coming out. And, and it took me 10 years to do that. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And that, that's a big deal is 10 years. Uh -huh. I sat there for 10 years and just stuck it out, stuck it out, stuck it out. Uh -huh. And then finally I learned. Uh -huh. And that's a big deal to me is just the amount of time you put into something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is yeah. what, I mean, Ben has been a great student. 
he loves to come. I enjoy it when when the young ones come. And I was the young guy not too many years ago, following <laughs> just Phil. a few years. Ago. Yeah, just a just a couple of hiccups ago, I was the young one, and and I was following Phil Via and Everett Wood and Ben Villalone. I was following these guys, mm-hmm. and and to Ben's point, sometimes it takes years to put certain ideas together. Mm-hmm. And that's why I see a lot of this is just plain inspiration from heaven. You know, you just you keep working, but you cannot get it without hard work. Mm-hmm. You keep working, you keep putting ideas together. I do better. I'm verbose, as you can mm-hmm. tell. Mm-hmm. I do better working with somebody. Mm-hmm. I love Tyler and I were in the field a long time in the machetes. And uh, that's a particular variety we're working on. And I do better if I have somebody with me. I can bounce it off. When Ben's with me, I bounce stuff off of him. Our favorite game is called What If. <laughs> I'm, dead, I'm dead serious. You know, being with somebody, you can, talk about, you can talk about a million things. But when you have something in common and you share a common lingo with someone mm-hmm. and you become so technical, you start playing, you know, what if we crossed this with this? That wouldn't work. Well, what would you think if we did this with this? That might work, you know. <laughs> and it's out of that questioning each other and forcing each other to think about your idea and try to reconcile that idea in mm-hmm. some sort of fashion. That's how you make progress. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, challenge each other. You don't have to agree all the time. You can hold the position. You cannot hold the position. Mm-hmm. But as long as you're working towards a positive goal, you can do anything you want together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you you kind of have a, a different perspective in terms of you're kind of directly tied to the consumer because um, mm-hmm. you're you're probably selling um, you know product out to other plants that are then producing um, other things. And what are you hearing from consumers that uh, they're really really pushing for these days? Consumers are pushing for more call it Hispanic foods. Demographics are changing. They're looking for organic. They're looking for certified stuff. We're su- we're in such a great place as a society right now that we are able to choose our food mm-hmm. instead of just making sure that we have food. And so we're starting to get into a lot more designer type, organic, uh, whole foods, pesticide free, mm-hmm. any sort of uh, marketing campaign, you name it. So. Mm-hmm. Those are the big challenges from the marketing side of customers and shelf space and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just getting those demands in a timely manner. Mm-hmm. The gene recombination thing that he's talking about of when we decide how to choose parents, that's something Phil ever been. It's always been a lot of fun learning is half the art of pepper breeding is figuring out the parents. Mm-hmm. And, and when you make a cross, old adage it's a crapshoot you don't know if it's going to be good or bad you don't know mm-hmm. and it takes several years and what we do is the 10 years that Ben talked about learning it, I've got one variety real high nutrition value chili that we're really excited about it's, it's got higher lutein's and zeaxanthins than spinach or at least equal and uh, you know everybody's looking for that healthy superfood mm-hmm. we have it and mm-hmm. pepper so mm-hmm. imagine a superfood salsa Mm-hmm. But the whole point is, is the recombination of genes. You never know where that's going to go. So mm-hmm. you got to do a lot of crosses, look at a lot of numbers, mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of time. I've been working on that 25, 20, this, is, this will be the 26th or 7th year on that cross. Yeah. So I grew old doing it. But you know what? 
it's just getting fun. It's fun. Yeah. Last year we released a new variety. Ben helped me get it out. And we called Machete. And Machete made a difference of almost 50% more yield. How many times has a new variety come out that yields 50% more? Most of the time it's 10% or, or, mm-hmm. a, or a small percentage, mm-hmm. you know, but, but not like this. Mm-hmm. And um, I just thought of this. So for people who are possibly tuning in and here we are talking about, uh, you know, Chile or here in New Mexico, um, that's not something that's common all over the United States. But um, if you've ever had uh, this type of chili down here, you can't ever get enough. Once no. you once you have some, no. yeah, you, you definitely can't do without. Um, so um, what do you think is different about um, growing chili versus growing something like corn or soybean or, or something like that? Oh, my goodness. What a good <laughs> question. Man, chili, the best way I can tell it, I had a friend named Steve Lombacher. Steve was a farmer in Oxnard, California, very successful, long since passed away. Good grief, Steve's been gone 30-something years now. Mm-hmm. But Steve was the field man for Ortega in his older years. Mm-hmm. His sons were running the farm, and he did it more as a pastime than anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, Steve had farmed strawberries, cauliflower, broccoli, lettuce, right on down the line. Mm -hmm. And he always told me that I was a young man, and he said, Ed, chili is the hardest crop there is to get from front planting to a harvested crop and be successful at it. It's so susceptible to many diseases. There's there's hand labor issues. There's harvest issues. There's, um, you know, weather issues, disease issues. It's just susceptible to so many things. Mm -hmm. Chili is a very challenging challenging crop and i love the challenges <laughs> if if you ask me about race you know race cars or something like that i would say lettuce is the race car of vegetables 70 days from the time you plant it till you harvest it boom boom i love growing lettuce as well but chili it's the long run crop Mm-hmm. It's not the race car. It's the long run challenge, mm-hmm. and it, it it's uh, it's just a a beautifully intriguing crop. One thing I love to tell is genetically, chili is the most diverse <coughs> set of genes out there in the vegetable world. Most people don't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's very very diverse, hmm. and that's why, like here even at NMSU, there hasn't been a huge success gene shooting it. Um, taking it to a different level molecularly. It's very, very difficult because the genetics are so diverse. And if you look, almost every country in the world has its own pepper of some kind, with the exception of the Antarctica areas, the North Pole, those very, very cold areas don't, obviously. Mm -hmm. But the Europe's, the Asia's, the South America's, the rest of the world's continents all have their own pepper. And each one of them have a whole... You know, they've got a unique genome to them. Yeah. And so, so it's, it's very, very, very diverse. That's what, that's what's made, you know, for a small operator like myself to be where we are in this thing. It's because it is diverse and it's very challenging. And each area of Chile has its own niche. And that's very important to understand. I mean, if I started 
uh, here several years ago, Tyler and I went to, to Taiwan, Shaoxiong, the South End. Mm-hmm. And you have to be invited. It's it's a United Nations thing. It's the Asian Vegetable Research and Development Center, and it's 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 uh, a lockdown compound, hmm. guarded. And uh, and there they keep all the things ready. You know, they they try to keep. Um, I think they had twenty two hundred different cultivars of pepper there. Now there's, I think, total or some seventy eight hundred or something known. Wow! But in in at the AVRDC they had seven or twenty two hundred. So it is so diverse. It is so fun. Mm-hmm. You, know, you pick the, you know, I can talk forever about chili. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Both you and I are big headed parties. Because <laughs> yeah. people just love to talk about chili. Yeah. That's, honestly, that's all we know. Yeah. Yeah, whenever I, I worked at Olam, uh, people would always ask me a lot of stuff about chili all the time that they did actually want to know. Yeah. So um, it was fun. That was a fun experience to work there and gain that that uh, education and, and everything. Served me well. And, Served uh, me well. And 40 minutes later into our talk about cellular genetics, somebody's trying to chew their arm off to get away. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fascinating because it's never-ending. That's mm-hmm. the that's the really great part is it doesn't quit because mm-hmm. you're always looking for the new variety. You're always looking for that next gene to pop out. And so it just keeps never, just keeps on going. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys for being on my podcast today. You're welcome. Thank, Thank you, you for, for having, having us. us. You just heard Ed talking about the upcoming International Pepper Conference that is going to be held in Arizona this year. The conference will be held September 28th through 30th in Tucson, Arizona, in conjunction with the University of Arizona. As part of the program, there will be field tours at Ed Curry's farm, so you don't want to miss that. Next, I'm going to be speaking with a former colleague of mine, Mr. Kent Welsh, with Olam Spices and Vegetables. He is one smart guy doing a lot of research that benefits all of us as consumers. I hope you'll enjoy. able to snag another interview um, here from the uh, 2020 New Mexico Chili Conference. I have an old colleague of mine, Mr. Kent Welsh. He works for Olam Spices and Vegetables, so welcome to my podcast. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for asking me. Yeah. So um, let's let's hear a little bit about you, um, where you grew up, your education, background, and what you do for Olam. Okay, well... I grew up in Utah originally. Um, how I got interested in, in horticulture actually was when my father was on a sabbatical at Iowa State University when I was in, in still in uh, high school. Uh, I walked past a farm and it said horticulture farm. I said, well, that sounds interesting. And so when I went off to college, that's where I... I knew from the beginning that's what I wanted to to uh, get my degrees in, and first uh, bachelor's, and then went on to Michigan State uh, for my master's and PhD, all in horticulture. But in, at Michigan State, I, I specialized in what's called plant tissue culture, or you maybe heard the term cloning, which is mm-hmm. basically what I do even at Olam. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Even I did not realize that that's really what you were doing at Olam is cloning. Right. Yeah, or, you know, some sort of variation of that, I suppose. Yeah, well, uh, tissue culture is, is, a, is a specialized way of propagating material. Um, 
not just for cloning, uh, but in our case it is, uh, we want to produce multiple copies of selected plants that have you know better characteristics. Mm -hmm. And we've done that on onions, we've done that on garlic. And mostly what I do now is, at least as far as that aspect is, is on garlic and uh, garlic itself is a clone. We plant cloves, what we call garlic seed is actually cloves mm -hmm. from the bulb that we mm -hmm. use for planting. And mm -hmm. over time, those vegetative parts of the plants can become infected with viruses. So in the laboratory, we can actually go through a process where we take a very small piece of tissue out of, the, out of a clove called the meristem, grow that into a defined medium and eliminate gar the viruses. So by eliminating vi viruses in garlic, we get uh, up to 25% more yield per acre. And that's really the driving, that's why, that's why I have a job. <laughs> that's the, because that saves lots of money because then we can grow, obtain the same amount of uh, product from less a less acres mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. reduces the carbon our carbon f uh, footprint amount of water we have to use pesticides number of trips that the, the equipment has to run through the field and so on that's really why i have a job mm -hmm. so you're working to um you know really reduce um you know the impact um and really really think of the environment when you're when you're working on all these things in your lab that's a good portion of it. I mean, it, obviously, it's the money-saving opportunities for the company as well. Sure. Because it, they can get more yield per acre, so that means that, that there's a cost savings to them, and it makes our profit. Uh, it allows us to sell our product, dehydrated garlic, mm -hmm. you know, at a profit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I know you because um, I worked at the Olam plant here in Las Cruces, and you're out in Hanford. Um, so that, that's, a little, that's a little bit of distance between us, but I spent some time working in your lab with you, and, and you were teaching me to uh, inoculate um, some plants. And, and it, was, I, it was probably way over my head, but I sure had fun doing it. Well, I mean, the other thing that I do, I spend most of my time on garlic, but... I've been working for quite a few years now. I mean, in peppers, whether you chili, paprika, bell peppers, whatever you, type of peppers that you think of, there are various diseases that cause problems, one of which is called Phytophthora capsici. It's a soil-borne organism. And once you get that in the ground, it never goes away. So now how do you manage and be, still be able to grow a, a, a pepper crop Mm -hmm. So I've been working for a number of years developing resistance to trying to develop varieties mm -hmm. of paprika that are resistant to to Phytophthora. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've been able to at least move down the road somewhat on that and continuing to work on it. And it's been over 20 mm -hmm. years now. Mm -hmm. And then we're also working on another disease called bacterial leaf spot. Mm -hmm. And that is a problem where it's more humid. Uh, and actually, the sources of resistance of that, I can't really tell, tell you where they came from because I got the material that we used as a source of resistance from uh, a researcher in Florida. Oh, okay. And they had bred the resistance into bell pepper, which mm -hmm. obviously also has the same kind of problem. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, 
So we've, we've been working on that for a number of years also and are making some progress towards having varieties that would be resistant to, to that disease as well. Mm-hmm. And what's your official title at Olam? <laughs> My boss says I can call myself whatever I want. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes I do. Uh, but officially, my title is, is Senior Agronomist. And I think they came up with that because they didn't know what else to call me. <laughs> Uh, it was uh, probably more accurate to be senior horticulturist because I, I, I'm not really, a, I don't consider myself to be an agronomist, uh-huh. but uh, because I work mainly in the laboratory on, on garlic uh-huh. and, and then do the disease breeding work uh, in the laboratory, well, in the greenhouse and in the laboratory. Uh-huh. But I've worked closely uh, here with the, our re- researchers here in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Uh, because that's where we're currently growing our, our paprika varieties in mm-hmm. New Mexico and Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you, you work with um, some of the folks um, through NMSU. Correct. Uh, one of the people that um, has been very helpful here at New Mexico State University has been uh, Stephanie Walker. Mm-hmm. We've had actually a long-term relationship, work close working relationship, obviously, you know, she works for the university and we're, we're a separate company, but uh, you have to have the collaborative effort uh, between research, uh, between industry and, and universities. Um, we, as a company, even though Olam as a company is a large company, we just have a very small group of people working on our particular crops. And so by taking advantage of what has been done at universities is, is very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so you came in um, to the Chile Conference. Um, what have you gained so far from being here at the New Mexico Chile Conference? Well, one of the presentations that I thought was very interesting this morning was actually on uh, some work being done on, to develop, to work, move forward with uh, developing varieties of any kind of peppers that are resistant to Phytophthora but looking down at the molecular level where you're identifying what they call markers that would be closely associated or, or on the gene that controls those resistances so that instead of having to, to do a disease screen in the greenhouse, we can take a little bit of uh, plant leaf tissue, extract the DNA, use, use the necessary primers, and determine whether the individual plants have the genes that we're looking for saves a lot of time. You can move forward more rapidly and more ac- be more accurate. Mm-hmm. So I thought that presentation this morning was, was very good. Yeah. How many years have you been coming to the Chile Conference? Oh, boy, I can't even remember. <laughs> uh, probably in the range of around 10. Yeah. Yeah, on yeah. an annual basis, come every year. Uh-huh. At, besides coming to the conference, I think one of the best things about the conference, besides the presentations, is the interaction uh-huh. with the other people that you meet here, mm-hmm. including people who are, in a way, are our competitors in, uh, either for variety development or perhaps even uh, the type of products that they're, that mm-hmm. they're producing. Mm-hmm. But knowing who they are and interacting with them, I think, is very useful, plus the people at the university. And it allows me also to have time to spend uh, collaborating with uh with the people that we have here at our own company location here in Las Cruces. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I totally agree with that. Um, and if you were um, 
you know, talking to someone that has no knowledge of agriculture, um, they have no idea where their food comes from and all they see is the, the things on TV and what they read on Facebook and all these things, what would be your advice for them? Well, I think you have to get educated in not just looking at what you find on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, pay attention to where your food comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of f- false information. Uh, uh, you know, as a, I, I have some of my own personal beliefs concerning where our food comes from and how it's being processed. I think our, our conventional farming practices uh, done on a sustainable basis mm-hmm. are very effective mm-hmm. uh, at producing the, the huge amounts of food that are necessary to feed the people, mm-hmm. not just here in the United States, mm-hmm. but around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say to them, you need to get, you know, don't just pay attention to, you know, what's on social media. Mm-hmm. You know, go to content. Go to uh, conferences like this, listen to people who are making presentations, mm-hmm. uh, and then make an informed decision mm-hmm. as to, you know, if you, don't, if you want to eat organic food, that's fine, uh, or food that's produced in an organic manner, that's mm-hmm. fine, but food that is produced in a conventional manner is also safe and nutritious. Uh, not everyone would agree with that, but if... Farmers don't necessarily over-apply pesticides mm-hmm. or fertilizers. That's expensive. It costs mm-hmm. them a lot of money. They have to make money, too. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they're very judicious. Plus, our products are tested in our own facility. I know in our dehydrated products, after the product is dehydrated, it goes into what they call a seven-day hold. And that in that seven-day hold is then tested for... Uh, human pathogens, mm-hmm. things that would make people sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also testified for pesticide residues. So if there are things that, that would be a problem that for uh, our customers who are buying it from us or for or the people who buy their products, obviously we don't want to have that as a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to make people sick. That's not our objective. Right. You know, we're selling You'd be a food out of a job of, at that point, too. <laughs> <laughs> We're selling food ingredients. Yes. And we want them to be safe. And we don't, you know, because we have to test for all of those things. Obviously, even the cost of, of having to, to recall product is very, very expensive. Puts our, our us in a bad light as mm-hmm. not being as careful as a company as we should be. So we test everything. Mm-hmm. Everything before it goes out the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I know um, some people say... You know, I'm, I'm just thinking of chili today because we're here at the chili conference, but, um, they're like, oh, well, you know, I don't, I don't eat chili. Um, it's too hot for me or, or, you know, this and that. But what they don't know is that actually, um, you know, the, uh, paprika pepper, when it's dehydrated, is in a, a lot of different things, including mayonnaise of all things. Um, very, very, tiny, tiny little pieces, but in mayonnaise of all things. Right. Well, I mean, and then, Paprika, as we sell to our customers, because our customers have specifications mm-hmm. that we have to meet uh, as to the level of color in the product that we're selling to them, and also to what's called pungency, because we really don't want 
pungency in paprika. It's 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 a coloring agent, mm-hmm. not not meant as a necessarily as a spice. Mm-hmm. It is is it is the color of the foods that we eat, and people don't necessarily realize until you go to buy say a package of hot dogs to turn over the back of the package and read the ingredients mm-hmm. and it says oleo resin extraction of paprika it's there to color the lunch the hot dog so that it will make it uh, palatable for you to eat yeah and the same thing with with a lot of other products uh, i know i've gone to the past in schools and made presentations to grade school children and i asked them well, how many of you like onions and and I say, raise your hands. Well, none of them want to eat onions. <laughs> and I say, well, how many of you like ketchup? And everybody raises their hands. I said, well, it says right here, it has onion, dehydrated onion in the ketchup. They don't know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not detectable from, yeah. uh, you know, it's not like you're really tasting onion, but it's there as part of the of the recipe for making mm-hmm. making ketchup. Mm-hmm. And so many of the foods that we eat with without the spices that we add or the ingredients mm-hmm. that our company sells would not really be very very palatable mm-hmm. yeah yeah and um for any youth that might be out there um, listening um that are possibly interested in a career in agriculture what advice would you have for them well we need people who are interested in working in agriculture um you know, my mother says, aren't you a manager? And I said, yes, but sometimes I have to do everything, mm-hmm. including some some days, as I said, my title is my title is general, uh, general labor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, being able to get out, I don't just work in a laboratory. Mm-hmm. I get out in the field. I travel to various locations to look at our crops that are being grown. Uh, we need people who are interested in, in those kinds of, of activities. Uh, who don't just want to sit in an office. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've recently hired some very, very good people, uh, new graduates out of out of college. Uh, but we need to attract more and more people who understand or can gain an understanding of where the food comes from and what impact they can make on helping to develop and grow and produce uh, nutritious, healthy uh vegetables or other kinds of crops mm-hmm. uh, that we consume on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Um, so that kind of wraps up my questions for you today. Did you have anything else you wanted to share? No, but I thank you very much for uh, for asking me. Um, I, I guess I would say I, I worked for a short time with, with, uh, with Jessica um, and found her to be a, a wonderful person and uh, and now that she has a new uh, occupation, uh, is also doing very well in that uh, <laughs> that uh, that uh, occupation as well. And uh, I'm sure she will continue to do so in the future. Thank you. Thank you for being on my podcast. All right. Thank you. Wow. What a great episode today. I wanted to wrap things up by going into some statistics on what Chile means to the New Mexico economy. First off, New Mexico ranks number one in the United States for chili production, producing 53.4% of the total production in the United States. In 2019, New Mexico produced 63,000 tons of both fresh and processed chili. So chili is one of the major commodities that we produce in the state. It is all mostly grown in the southwest portion of New Mexico, where conditions are perfect for the production of chili. 
The two counties in New Mexico that produce the most chili are Luna and Doniana County. Luna County, just south of us here in Grant County, produces 29,000 out of the 63,000 tons all by themselves. So there is a snapshot of the chili pepper industry here in New Mexico. I know we have a lot of different listeners out there from all over the world. So if you would like to ask questions about chili or have any comments, feel free to reach out. Thanks everyone for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whatever app you're using to listen to this podcast. Want more information? You can visit us at our website, grantextension.nmsu.edu. Follow us on Facebook at NMSU Grant County CES, Snapchat at Grant County NM4H, Shoot us an email at grant at nmsu.edu or give us a call 575-388-1559. New Mexico State University is an equal opportunity affirmative action employer and educator, NMSU and the U.S. Department of Agriculture cooperating.